0: amen have i done everything i'm supposed to do i want to sing i turn the music on hallelujah praise the lord you want to key it up brian hey brian can you put up i don't know if you can or not can you put up um what um our church website up there we haven't done this in a while I want to show you how many know new or no we have a church website. Yeah. Who does not know that? Okay, we have one and we do a, like a calendar on there, It tells you what's coming up, tells you about the life groups and stuff. My sermons are posted on there, whoever preaches, the sermons are posted on there. It's also on uh, iTunes under Grace Point Church has the lighthouse the blue icon so you can listen to the sermons on podcast hi, sis. I just recognized. I didn't know that was you. I just recognized you. Good to see you. Um, It's on iTunes. It's on Podbean, and it's on YouTube. I have a Thursday night series on the book of Matthew. They're not all good, but some of them are, and you get to decide which ones are good. They're about 10 to 15 minutes, and we're going through Matthew. Some of them are good. Some of them really are, and I, I think eventually I'd like to do other topics, like the gifts of the spirits. Some, some gift of the Spirit, some of the things I don't have time to teach on Sunday morning. I was thinking about this. I get you guys for 40 minutes, three times a month, right? And that's not a lot, really, to preach the Word of God. I have probably 10 sermons in me every Sunday morning, and I have to choose which one to preach. But we do have other stuff available for you guys to check out. Could you find it, Brian, or not? Too hard? Okay, it's hard. Maybe next Sunday we'll have it up at the beginning. What's the web address? It may be on the bulletin. It's Grace Point Church. Yeah, Grace Point Utica, point with an E. Yeah, .org and .com, I think either one. But you can go on there and look it up, and the sermons are all on there. Now, okay, uh, we'll try to bring it up next week. I need some volunteers that are not afraid. You sure you're not afraid? Charlie, you're my first volunteer. You're my second volunteer. Galatians, by the way. I need three more volunteers. Okay, I got two right here. You get that one. That's the scripture. That's Hebrews in case. I need one more volunteer. Mike, here it is. That's Colossians. Okay, I'm going to have you guys read. What kind of Bible is it? This is the book. Jeff's giving you his Bible. <laughs> I want to have them read those scriptures. Look them up, mark them at the appropriate time. That way I don't have to flip there and go into them. I got to cover a lot of ground. And I really want to have an altar call. Um, and it'll be, I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be for two things. It's going to be if you don't know the Lord and you want to give your life to Jesus, think about it now. Or if you have something that you want to surrender or exchange and give to the Lord that you may be resisting or may be challenged, but something that you want to give to the Lord. The altar is going to be open today, and I I want to get there. So please be gracious with me. I have about 40 minutes for that, and uh, that's where we're marching to. If you have your Bible, turn to Mark chapter 10. This is not going to be a traditional Easter message, but it'll turn Easter sooner or later. If you're patient, we'll get there. Amen. It will get there. I have had the rich young ruler on my heart. I was trying to, Menti, you're my witness. I had another text I was going to preach out of, and, and I just couldn't. I can't get this rich young ruler off my heart and mind. There's so much to learn from the rich young ruler. It's in Mark 10, and it's going to start with verse 17. I'll be reading from the New King James translation. Um, April, is that a literal or a functional translation, the New King James? Yeah, uh, it's literal. Very good. It's a literal translation. The, the uh, NIV, is that literal or functional? It's functional. We're learning that on, on uh, Tuesday night. If you don't know what that means, uh, come on Tuesday night and we'll teach you. All right. Verse 17, chapter 10. Lord. Settle my spirit, Jesus. Help me to communicate what you want to say to your people, Lord. You have a word for your people. And you want to speak into our hearts. You want to help us, Lord, and give us grace today. Lord, do it. Minister to your people your word by your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Now, as he was going out on the road one came running and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one, and that is God. You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And we're going to stop there before we go on. We've got more, more to go on with. The sum of this is repeat. I mentioned it last week, but I'm going to cover it so I can move forward. This rich young ruler is on the side of the cross before Jesus died, isn't he? How do we get saved, ladies and gentlemen? By grace, By grace through? And we get saved based on the what? The finished work of the cross, what Jesus did for us. This man is marching toward Jesus before Jesus died on the cross. Is Jesus teaching under law, or is he teaching? Uh, and who is he teaching to? And is he teaching under the law? Under law. He's, he's teaching under the law. I'm going to prove that. In fact, in fact, um, who who has Galatians four four? Stand up and please read Galatians four, (laughs) four. Okay, rightly dividing the word, Jesus was born of a woman born under law that he might redeem those that are under the law. So why that's important is because Jesus tells him, well, have you kept the law? Isn't that what he asked him? Does everybody see that? And what is the righteousness of the law? How do you get right with God through the law? Not, you obey it all. Charlie, would you stand up? And read Leviticus eighteen five. <laughs> <laughs> you shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which a command do, He shall live in them. Okay, I, sh- the I am the Lord. You shall obey my statutes and my commandment. If you do, you'll find life through them. And that is true, and so Jesus tells him that. Now, we know, have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Has anybody other than Jesus the Christ ever obeyed the law completely? Is there a problem with the human heart? Does the Bible say that we were born dead in our trespasses and sins? It does say that. So there's a problem with the righteousness of the law. No one's ever kept it except who? Oh, we're going to talk about that. So Jesus points him, he's, he's born under. Did God want his children to obey law, his law? Yeah, of course he did. And if they were going to obey it, it was going to be by the grace of God. It was going to be based on a relationship with God. It was going to be through prayer. It was going to be with God's help. Amen. You're never going to do it. Even David had the Spirit uh, teaching him and he had anointing on his life. But even David fell short of the glory of God and sinned probably more than once we know of several that he committed and the guy first of all and I, i mentioned this before when he came to jesus he said hey good teacher this guy no doubt had made his rounds to many different rabbis what do you do if you go to a preacher say you're living with your girlfriend and you you know and you want the preacher to tell you it's okay and you go to a preacher and he says no you can't live with your girlfriend Yes, God, you need to get married. There's a lot of grace. We forgive you. God's merciful. He'll forgive you, but you need to do the right thing. If you're going to be with her, you need to get married. If you're not going to get married, you guys need to move out. Now, what do you do if you go to a pastor and he tells you that and you don't like it? You go to another pastor, right? You go to a good teacher. You say, hey, good teacher, that brother Brad's too hard. He's legalistic. I don't like him uh what do you think and you and hopefully they'll say well god understands right that's what you hope they're saying god understands you know uh you're not saved by works anyway do as you will god loves you there's a problem with that wrong answer and that's true with many different sins of course it's true with all sins (laughs) you know sin is sin and the law does teach us and tell us what sin is In fact, in Galatians, and Jeff, I can't go there, but in the book of Galatians, it says the purpose of the law, read Galatians 10 times and come back and talk to me. Galatians says the purpose of the law was to show you what sin was. It's telling you. And we're talking God's moral law here because there's other aspects of the law absolutely been laid aside, fulfilled, laid aside. So the moral law, God is telling us what right and wrong is. He's instructing us. Law gives you the knowledge of sin. It also convicts you because no one has ever kept God's law perfectly, and the purpose of the law is to drive you to Christ. Your Savior, God wants to get the law keeper inside of you. When you get saved, what God's doing, he's making an exchange. little hint to the end of the message. He's making an exchange. He's taking that dead spirit that was in you and your heart is stone, and he's putting a new spirit in you, and he's putting a new heart in you, and that actually is the spirit of Jesus. And when you are following Jesus, you get the want-tos. I mean, you, even if maybe you're struggling in an area, you want to do right. How many of you are saved and you want to do right? Amen. And you have the power to do right because the do writer is now in you. If you follow him, he'll pour out his grace on you. I didn't say there wouldn't be encounters. We're going to talk about that. I didn't say there wouldn't be struggles and things that you need to deal with because there will be things you need to deal with. But um, the law, if you keep it all, you'll be fine. The problem is no one does. So this guy says, hey, I've kept it all. Now, is that true? he might have been doing pretty good outwardly, and he might, you know, Paul said... Paul the Apostle said he kept the law blameless. Didn't he say that? You guys know the... What's the problem with Paul saying he kept the law blameless? In the name of the law, he murdered Stephen, and he was full of hatred. But he said, I kept the law blameless. He thought he was doing God a service when he killed Stephen. He thought he was obeying God when he killed Stephen. No, Paul didn't keep the law blameless. He murdered Stephen. Stephen. But in his mind-eye, he was meticulous about keeping the law. No one has ever kept the law. We may do better than others. We may, you know, uh, do, you know, when I was a kid, I did good for a while. How many of you do good for a while, but then you kind of mess up sometimes? You know? Amen. Well, you know, well, yeah, we do good. And, you know, Christ lives in us. We're following the Spirit. We like to say, and this is no excuse, we like to say, I was in my flesh. Anybody ever say that? Yeah. Just stop it and say, I sinned, okay? <laughs> say, please forgive me. Or don't excuse it because you were in your flesh, okay? Get out of your flesh. That's why I say, get out of your flesh then. Amen? Get out of your flesh and follow Jesus. Just say, hey, I sinned, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Oops, I did it again. So he wants a good teacher And he says, he's done it from his youth. And Jesus looked at him and said to him, okay, this guy's saying, he knew in his heart. Listen to this, folks, please mark this. He knew in his heart, even though he felt like he had been keeping God's laws. Have you ever met somebody that didn't know the Lord and you're witnessing to them? This has happened to me many times. And they say, oh, I'm a good person. Now, you know... They might be a drug addict. I went to a funeral of a drug addict and a dealer, and everybody got up in this funeral and said what a great guy he was. It's true. And in some ways, he was a great guy. He was a good friend. He had good qualities. He did. But he had a lot of qualities that weren't good. Anybody else ever encountered that? I'm a good person. I'm good. Well, no, you're not, not really. If you start talking, well, I'm a good person, but you know, I'm living with my girlfriend, i cheated on my wife, I'm taking drugs, I'm dealing drugs, I've lied. When you start going down the list, what you'll find out is everybody has sinned and come short of the glory of God. You find out that they're really not a good person, that is a delusion. Don't look at anybody else and try to find this answer. Just look at yourself. Before you came to Jesus, how were you living? Don't look at anybody else. Look at yourself. He felt a lack, even though he believed he was doing everything right, and there was a lack in his life. Now, Jesus is such a great lover. Jesus looked at him. Did Jesus want to tell him he was going to hell or You know, I don't love you and you're lying. And what did Jesus do? He looked at him just like he would look at you and you and you and me, and he would look at him and love him. But because he's love, he is going to tell this guy the truth. Understand who this guy is dealing with. He's not dealing with a good teacher He's dealing with the Son of God who has authority on earth. And he is also dealing, and this is what I want you to grab very much as you think about how you're going to change in your life, he was dealing with the living Word. Think about that. He's dealing with the living Word. Jesus is the Word made flesh. He is God in the flesh. He's one with God. This guy is encountering the living word. We're going to talk about how we encounter that same word, Jeff, here here in a minute. But this guy didn't have what we have now in the New Testament, but he is looking at the living word. And the living word says, okay, you lack one thing, go your way, sell whatever you have, give it to the poor. And notice, Jesus didn't say, give it to me. He didn't say, give it to the church. So so everything you have, give it to the church. That's okay if you do it. It's not what he said. He said, give it to the poor. He took the offering away from himself and said, bless the poor with it. It's not about me. It's about you. I don't want your money. Give it to the poor. Sell what you have and he said then you will have treasure in heaven and take up your cross and come follow me who has Matthew 6:20 go ahead and stand up and read that your treasures in heaven where they will never become or rusty and where they will be safe from thieves okay this is not a new thing with Jesus Jesus talked about it in the sermon on the mount Paul talks about storing up treasure in heaven he's saying so everything you have take up your cross and follow me but he was sad at this living word and he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions now i have said this guy did not know god was making him the deal of a lifetime he, he would have been one of the early followers of Jesus. Who knows what Jesus had in mind for him, but his money obviously was standing between him and God. Yeah. I don't think anybody in here ever got saved by selling everything they had and following Jesus. Did you? No. This guy had an idol standing between him and God. Jesus was offering him the ultimate call and the ultimate grace. The grace to follow Jesus was in that command. And we're going to talk about that a little bit, how you interact with it. And because he could not make that exchange, he went away sorrowful. How many have ever sympathized with the rich young ruler? Me and Mike. Good, that's good. Me and Mike and Mandy, that's good. Put yourself in his shoes. You're a young YouTube sensation. You're 21 years old and... You're a young millionaire. You love God and you're following God, and you know all of a sudden, you got all that. You got girls like you. You got money. You got a Ferrari. Everything's going your way, and you meet Jesus, the living Word of God, and you know something's missing in your life, and you ask Jesus what it is, and He says, "Sell it all and follow Me." Put yourself in His shoes. Not too easy, is it? I think we're all going to need some grace here. And then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter into the kingdom of God. And his disciples were astonished at his words. And I want to tell you one reason they were astonished. is was because under the law, wealth and riches were promised. And they were a blessing promised to uh, the believer. Did you know that? Deuteronomy 28 psalms 112 and on and on they were promised if you obeyed god he would bless you with wealth they're like well if a wealthy guy who's obviously being blessed by god cannot be saved who can be saved and they were astonished and jesus said children how hard it is for those who trust in riches." to enter the kingdom of God, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go enter into the kingdom of God. It was the fact that he was trusting in his riches. What are you trusting in today? What are you trusting in today for eternal life? I want you to say, Jesus, (laughs) amen, I'm trusting in Jesus, I'm running to Jesus, I'm kneeling down before Jesus, remember, Charlie, this guy's walking toward Jesus, this is the grace of God, the command of Jesus is the grace of God, and it says after that, it says, they were greatly astonished, saying, then who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them. Again, he said, with men, it is impossible. Now let that register. Let's get the whole teaching here. Is it possible for men to save themselves? Is salvation in men? With men, it's impossible. If you are saved today, you are saved by the grace of God. Someone say Amen. I'm gonna show it to you. I'm not done. I, I got to. That's why I need a little time on this rich young ruler. I could preach really take it out for an hour or two, proof texting it. But with God, all things are possible. Someone say Amen. amen. If you're lost out there, you're not a lost cause. If you're in a controversy with the Lord, a sin that you can't seem to get free from, you're not a lost cause. Jesus knows how to save you. I love those songs this morning. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left the crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. He did it. Peter said, look, we've left all to follow you. And he said assuredly I say to you there is no one who has left house or brother or sister or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the gospel's get this this is what my message I've been talking about the great the great exchange who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time someone say now in this time what does that mean and I, you don't hear that preach very much. That one kind of gets ignored in this teaching. In other words, God's a rewarder. How that's gonna manifest in your life, I do not know. But the Lord, will, you will never outgive God. You will never outsacrifice the Lord. You will never outdo God. And in fact, the reason those apostles, and I talked about this last week, were able to follow Jesus. Because he called them. That rich young ruler wasn't called by Jesus. He called him in the middle. Every apostle that followed Jesus, Jesus called them. And the grace was in the fact that he called them. And there was something about his call. There was something about his word. There was something about Jesus that when he called, they answered. And they gave it all up for Jesus. They didn't bat an eye. And he said, you boys are blessed you find out they're going to be on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. They didn't lose out. They gained. And he said, in this lifetime and in the world to come, eternal life, the command of God is grace. I remember when I got saved, there was a command. You're a sinner. You need saved. You need Jesus. Get down to this altar. I tried my best to disobey that command until my heart nearly bumped out of my body. And until I heard the Holy Ghost screaming, you are a sinner, that was the command of God. And by the grace of God, I wound up down at that altar and I prayed a prayer like you prayed. And lo and behold, I got saved. Amen. And uh, somehow you did too. Amen. The grace of God's in the call. Okay. how does that apply to us today how is that going to work in our life how do we encounter jeff the living word of god now who has that hebrews 4:12 stand up and read it sister <clears throat> for the word of god is living and active sharper than any double edged sword it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart okay Paul says here in Hebrews that the Word of God is what? Living. Jesus is the living Word of God. When we encounter the Word of God, when you sit down with your Bible and you interact with your Bible with the power of the holy spirit i'm not talking about legalistically trying to find a bunch of rules but when you got a situation and you're praying about that situation and you're seeking the lord and you're in that word which is how i handle every problem i get in the word and say god what are you saying about this situation i need to know i'm not smart enough to figure this out i have gone the wrong way so many times that i need you to talk to me lord so i go the right way if i'm smart it's because i'm God makes me smart, and if I'm not smart, it's because I go the wrong way. I had an encounter about a year ago, maybe a little more now, where the Word was guiding me one way, and I kept trying to go another one, and I know I'm the only one in the church that ever happens to, but I, I kept thinking, no, that can't, you know, no, I just, that, I kept saying, well, the Word isn't clear, or I'm not certain, or the reason was because I didn't want to do what the Word was telling me to do. You may not want to tell someone you're sorry for how you talk to them, but when you encounter the Word and it tells you to forgive, you're going to make up your mind whether you're going to let that living Word work in your heart or you're going to resist it. Amen? The Lord may want you to help somebody financially, someone that's poor, someone that's in need. And when you get in the Word, He's going to interact with you. I know because He does it with me. The living Word, that Word that when you get into the the scriptures, the word says faith comes by and hearing by, well, you get grace by faith and that comes through the word. So sometimes it's what that preacher, if your preacher's got the Holy Ghost in him, he'll preach something that'll penetrate right into your heart and it'll be the living word speaking to you. You got to decide whether you hate me or you're going to believe that God's really speaking to you. You're going to decide whether you're going to obey that word. You know, there is an obedience to faith. How many of you have read Hebrews 11? Faith does something. Faith don't sit still. Faith does something. Faith moves. Faith acts. Faith gets busy. Faith's going to move. You know someone has faith, because if you've got faith, it's going to do something. It all starts in your heart, and I wanted to get at it last week. God, first of all, does not deal in your actions. He deals in your heart. Where do people err In their hearts. If you've got a root of bitterness, it's in your heart. If you've got an angry word, it's in your heart. You, some of you don't talk right to people or blow up on people and you do it and you think it's nothing, you gotta deal with what's in your heart because it's gonna happen again and again and again and again until God deals with your heart. It's always in your heart. If you're an addict, it's in your heart. If you're an adulterer it's in your heart if you're a liar some people can't talk without lying it's in your heart you do always err in your heart if you're selfish it's in your heart and there's a way out it's through faith it's entering into God's grace through faith by interacting with the Living Word of God we call it transformation we call it mind renewal it involves repentance and it involves change I don't know where we got afraid of that word repent. Mind renewal involves changing, doesn't it? Metanoia, changing. I got to change my way of thinking. Amen? I got to change my way of thinking. I got to allow God to remold me from within. I'm interacting, so I'm in the Word saying, God, talk to me. I don't know if I'm doing this right. I I don't have self-confidence. I don't have self-wisdom. I don't know if I'm Lord I need. And so I go into the word and I come before the living word and I kneel down. I kneel down and say, Lord, what are you telling me? I bow down and say, oh, not good teacher. Jesus, my Lord, what are you telling me? Because if you don't tell me what to do, I'm going to mess up again. I'm going to make a mess of this. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Be merciful to me. Be merciful to me. I need your help. I need your help. I need your grace. Tim Keller said this in his book, The King's Cross, and I love his teaching on the rich young ruler, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, I believe he said this too, and uh, I love reading it, they do such a good job of breaking out the rich young ruler. In this parable, in this story, do you know there's actually two rich young rulers? Does anybody see the second rich young ruler in this story? it came to me like a explosion you'll see it you'll see it one rich young ruler is Jesus he ruled in heaven and he was king of the universe and he had more wealth and more glory and more fame and more love and more possessions and more of everything than any man that ever lived Jesus had more glory and more honor and more wealth than any man that ever lived. And him and his father were talking and he saw our miserable estate. He saw us in our sins. Every person in this room without this second rich young ruler would spend eternity separated from God in hell. And you deserve to be there. The second rich young ruler gave up everything, he gave up his glory, he gave up the praise and the worship and he became a man and he made an exchange, the great exchange, he made an exchange with God and he said, I'll make this exchange, I will become sin for them so that they can become my righteousness. Someone find 2 Corinthians 5.21. When you find it, stand up and read it. Menti, go ahead. He said, I'll become sin for them. I'll become the sacrifice for them. I'll give up my wealth. This, this is mind-blowing. I'll become sin, their sin. I'll take the full weight of their sin, not mine. And there'll be a great exchange. Remember, I talked about the process of life is the process of exchange. Jesus is the one that started it. The reason we do it is because He did it. He's our Lord and Master. We can never replicate His great sacrifice. I'll become sin so they can become righteous. And He did it. And everyone that accepted Him in here, the Word of God says, you are now the righteousness of God in Christ by faith. Your sins are removed and washed away. My Savior took your sins on the cross. That did not come at a light cost. That didn't come where God just says, I'll wink at it and forgive them. That came at the life of the Son of God. And he spent three days, the word literally says Hades, the abode of the dead. And because he was innocent, God was able to raise him to life. Flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Let's look at our rich young ruler. I still have at least 10 minutes. Please write these scriptures down. Meditate on them. Think about them. Jeff, he mentions grace here. I'll just start with 8.8. I speak not by commandment. 2 Corinthians 8.8. I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace. Someone say grace. grace. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ That though he was a rich young ruler, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became what? Poor, that you through his poverty might become what? Rich in righteousness. Actually, we'll get into this. Your salvation is triune, which means it's three part. Spirit, mind, or soul, and body. He handled every part of your separation and your negative toward God. Jesus took it all. Doesn't the word say he'll supply all your needs? Doesn't it say he delights to bless his servants? It does say that. And Paul Paul was actually teaching on giving, sowing, and reaping here, which I don't want to go into because it'll miss my greater point. That he became poor, that you might be richly blessed. He took your sins. Flip over, Jeff, if you could read it, you'll find it quick. Galatians 3.13. So he took our sin so that this is the great exchange. He took our sin so we could become righteous. I stand before God completely righteous, not on my own merit. I can go to the throne of grace right now and plead with the Lord. And he listens to me because the blood has covered my sin and he treats me as a son. That's how my prayers get answered. I come as a son under the blood and in the name of Jesus and in his righteousness. And when I do that and I let the Lord deal with me and I make these living exchanges when I encounter the living word, things happen in my life. As long as I don't dig my heels in. Jeff, would you read that please? There's a curse on breaking the law. Did you know that? Read Deuteronomy 28, Deuteronomy 21. The curse of the law includes poverty, sickness, all type of evil, all type of things come on. You know, when Adam sinned, there was a curse that came on Adam when he sinned. The word of God says that Jesus took your curse and you can go as far with that as your faith will take you. You can go as far with that as your faith will take you. He took your curse so, so God could put his spirit, and that's the spirit of Christ in you, right? You can be led by that spirit. You can be filled with that spirit, and if you're led by that spirit, and if you're filled with that spirit, you're going to receive the blessing of Abraham by faith. You're going to receive God's grace by faith. Someone say amen. Amen. Are you guys with me? I've been wanting to preach this for so long, I'm about trembling. I don't have time to go into it all. I'm going to read, uh, I think I have two more scriptures and I'll end up. Galatians 2.20 says, I was crucified with, says, I no longer live. He says, yet I do live, but it is no longer I, but it is Christ. Who lives in me? And this is salvation. There was a great exchange. God took you out of the way because you're under a curse and you died on a tree. You died on a tree. You may not know it, but you died on a tree. That was you up there. The word says in Romans 6, 6, you were co-crucified with Christ. You were up there. Your old man was hanging on that cross, crucified, because Jesus drew you into himself and nailed you on that cross. And you died that's what the word means brothers and sisters when it says you're a new creation that old sinful self nailed to a tree with jesus when you believe it the power of it comes into your life it's the truth so not only was sin born on the tree, your poverty born on the tree, the curse was born on the tree, Jesus bore your sick he bore it all, your sicknesses, but the best news is he bore you on that cross. You were crucified with Jesus, and now you've been raised, here's Easter, you ready for Easter? This is my Easter sermon. You have been raised from the dead you have been you're not who you used to be so why are that's what paul said shall we continue in sin that grace may abound he more or less said and please forgive me my paraphrase are you stupid if you are dead to sin are you yes you are dead to sin whether you know you are or not have the sense to know it you are dead to sin he says so why would you keep living in it don't you know what sin does to you don't you know what that sin is doing to you don't you know it's killing your marriage it's killing your money it's killing your family it's killing everything you it's dead it's cursed he said why would you want to continue in sin are you a dodo bird are you going the? Way, you're going to become extinct. You go in the way of the. He said, "Listen. You're dead. You've been raised to a new life. Let's concentrate on following Jesus and living after the new life. Let's concentrate. Don't let anything keep you from it. Don't let anything keep you. Don't let a person keep you from it. Don't let a circumstance keep you from it. Don't let sin keep you from it. Don't let what people say about you keep you from it." Don't let life, sometimes I get beat down by life. I know I'm not the only one. It is amazing when you have a risen Savior in you, how he won't let you stay down. That's how you know Jesus is in you. Like Elijah, he'll come up to you and say, what are you doing here? I remember I backslid and I was in a bar. I made such a <laughs> fool of myself. I made such a fool of myself. And the Lord is, I'm sitting there and the Lord is saying to me, what are you, you righteous man of God doing here? I said, Lord, I don't know. I'm tired out. I'm worn out. I'm just sick of it. I'm sick. I was crying. I had just witnessed to a guy in the bar next to me. Him and I bought him a beer and I started telling him about Jesus. True story. And uh, for me, that's funny because I don't drink. And I'm sitting there and, he's, and he got mad at me because I told him he was going to hell. And you do that after a few beers, you know. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and the Lord is saying, son, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. you ever been somewhere where the Lord said, you don't belong here? Elijah was running from Jezebel. And he said, Lord, I'm done. I'm tired. I quit. I'm just going to go with my fathers. I'm going to quit. And the Lord said, no, you're not. No, you're not. Not yet. I'm not done with you yet. Go do this, this, and this, and then I'll let you go. But you're not going. The Lord has always encouraged me, even in my stumblings. Now, that wasn't yesterday, folks. I want you to know that. That was a long time ago. That wasn't when I was a pastor. Amen. That's pre-Pastor Brad, okay? Last scripture, and Mike, I think you have that. Would you read Colossians 2.10? Remember I said how they were marching toward the cross, and the rich young ruler? His, he was marching... And he met God's rich young ruler. Folks, we're on the other side of the cross. You have fullness. You have victory. You're a new person. And you're looking back on the victory side of the cross. You're looking back. You're coming from a position of fullness. And the living sacrifices we make... Paul beseeches us by the mercies of God to present your body a living sacrifice or out of gratitude and thanksgiving, and they come out of that new creation, that work of God that's in you. His grace is in your life, He's working the change. He's working in you to will and to do. He's working in you trying to, he wants to bless you. He wants to bring change into your life. He wants to make you new. And if you open your heart, it all starts in the heart. It's even today, it all starts in your heart. It's not by your works. God's not condemning you. God's not judging you. He's saying, if you will just give me your heart, I'll do all the heavy lifting. If you'll give me, and you go to the Lord and say, Lord, give me grace, change my heart. I do it all the time. Anytime I'm in trouble, I'm thinking, Lord, help. And he helps me. Maybe some of you are far beyond this. But I'm in this process of life, which is the process of exchange. Taking my sin, wrecking it dead on Jesus, and taking his righteousness. You wanted to say something? Yeah, I like, I been <laughs> okay, it, so. <laughs> I love it. And it's burning in your heart. Yes. Amen. Thank you for sharing it. Amen. What what is that book you're reading? The lost books of the Bible and forgotten books of Eden. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Here's what we're gonna, That was the Lord saving the congregation for more preaching for me. Here's what we're gonna do, and here's what I wanna do. Yes, you wanted to say something, sis? Praise the Lord. Amen. What's your name? Christina? Christina. Christina. Okay. Two days. You said it backwards, so how many? Okay. By the grace of God. Amen. Someone say praise the Lord. See, I was probably about 45 years old, so I've got, I'm 63 now. (laughs) I don't know how to figure that out since I've had my last drink. Here's what I want to do, folks. We're going to worship the Lord. If you have to leave, if you must, then leave quietly because I know the Lord is dealing with some. If there are things in your life that you want to lay down, maybe God's dealing with you and you, frankly, have been running like Jonah from what the Lord's been telling you you're not involved in the process and you want to get involved in it, I assure you God's mercy and grace is in your life. And you might need to repent and lay some things down. The altar's going to be open for that. If you're here today and you've never made that exchange where you put your faith in the sacrifice of Jesus and said, Lord, I am a sinner. You've never said that. That's the Bible's plain language. I am a sinner. Romans 5:19 Through the disobedience of one man many were made sinners. I am a sinner and I need a savior and I want you in my I want your righteousness. I want the spirit of Christ in me. I want to be born again and I'm willing to make a public confession today. Maybe you've never made that public confession. Me and Pam are going to be standing right over here. Come up and pray with us. I don't want to embarrass you. We had a lady come up at the end of last service after it was over and prayed with us. But it's better to come up during the altar call. Just come up and we'll be over here. Charlie is going to be over here. And if you'd rather pray with Charlie, he's taller, better looking. He's right over here. You can pray with Charlie. But if you want to lay something down, you can come up, surrender it to the Lord, leave it at the altar, and exchange, make this exchange with the Lord. If you want to give your life to the Lord... We'll be on either side. Stand up. Let's sing before we're dismissed. Come to the altar.